0: morning everybody as Richard said my name is Craig Uh, we were part of the team at Edgemead for many years and then um, God brought us here in January this year and it's been absolutely wonderful living in Somerset West really enjoying it and loving the people out here just loving everything about it so I just want to commend the guys that that went to the conference as well Uh, well done to you guys it was a big part of their long weekend that they gave up it was from one until nine o'clock on Friday till nine at night and then yesterday from 9 until 1, and of course, with it being in Edgemead as well, it was the travel time as well. So uh, I want to commend those guys that went out. They really you can see the impact that it's had on them. Some of the guys from uh, from Strand and, uh, sorry, from Gordons Bay and Hrabou um, also went with. Um, so it's, it's great to see just the impact on the guys. So it's an encouragement to us. You know, when they have these conferences, we think, oh don't want to drive all the way to Edgemead or Sunningdale, but if we see just the value that comes out of it, those venues now can hold up to 250. Um, so it's really impactful when, when the people gather together. All right, so welcome to those who have never been here before. Is this anybody's very first time in the Playhouse? Welcome to you. So I wanted to you know, just talk to that, the fact that when you walk in here, it's very clearly a theatre. I mean, you can see that. You see the layout of the chairs here and you see Andre's left the curtains open for me as well so I can show you the entire stage and it goes it goes even further back on all three sides there's these rooms with makeup and clothing and and props and all the sort of things so it's very clearly a theater so you know we've got to guard our hearts when we come in here that we don't actually sit and think well we are the audience aren't we and we're the audience here because if you come in the week. And, and Monica and some of the people serve here, serve coffee in the week, and then it runs like a proper theater. So the Dramatic Society, they're on stage, and they're putting on a proper production, and they've got a, an audience here that's not participating, that's purely come here to watch the actors. And then you've got, on the side of the stage, you've got what you call prompts or prompters. And their job is, if the actors get stuck, they've just got to give them their line or, or just help them along. Um, I, try, I googled that in Afrikaans, and I came up with the word, forseer, is that the right is that the right term? Okay, thank you. So a fursayer is somebody then that helps the actor if they get stuck. So there was a a Danish philosopher who, who tried to turn this on his head on its head and say, well, we should actually look at it from the perspective that when we come to church, God is the audience and we are all the actors. And whoever's got the mic or got the piano or leading at that time they actually the prompt they the foreseer so they're the one helping lead us into worship so there's other people that say well you know that's not a great analogy because god is not an audience that just sits back god actually participates in worship god worship is more of a dialogue but what i do like about that metaphor is that it, it does just make us correct our mindset that we, when we walk in and we look at a theater you like we don't think actually we've come here to be an audience but we are actually here to participate Right? And that's what I want to, to speak on today. So, you know, we, sh- we should start saying when we come to church, we shouldn't be saying, what am, I, what am I getting out of church? We should be saying, what am I giving out of church? So I want to speak today about participating, being having intent when we come here. So not just the guys that are leading, but every, every one of us that comes here, that we come here with some purpose and intent. You know, we, we often use the scripture, 1 Corinthians 14:26. What then, brothers, when we come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let things be done for building up. You know, so each one of us can participate, and each one of us is unique, and we bring something different. I mean, Stephen mentioned that as well, that it's very much when we worship, it's very much team, and we all bring something to the team. And if we don't give our little bit, then something is missing in the team. So my, my title of today's preach is The Number on My Back. And um, I want to compare the purpose and intent that we bring to a church meeting to a rugby player that's got a number on his back, and that number represents a specific purpose that he's got when he runs onto the field. And if a player runs onto the field without a number, then he's kind of lost; he doesn't know where he fits in. And imagine all fifteen running on, and no one's got a number. Then like, you stand there, and I'll I'll cover here, and but like grade ones playing rugby, yeah. but the fact that. The fact that they all run on with a number, they all know what their purpose is. Their teammates know what their purpose is. Even the crowd knows what their purpose is. The ref knows, the coach knows, the opposition knows, because their number represents their role in that game. So the reason why I chose rugby, it is my sport that I played, one of my favorite sports, but not just for that reason. It's also a sport where your number means something. There are other sports and maybe because I don't understand some of the other sports, but if you look at American football, you look at basketball, the numbers that the guys seem to wear seem to be quite random, and a guy can wear the same number for his whole career no matter what position he's playing. But in rugby, you know, if you look at the guy's number, it's very clear um, what his purpose is. So, Irena, if you can put that picture up, please. So don't worry, I'm going to get to the Bible later. It's not going to be all about rugby today. But, um, but I, do, I do acknowledge that not everybody is a rugby fan, so I'm just going to give it two minutes on this picture here, and then just to align us, and then we'll move forward and and look at some scripture on that. And I also acknowledge that there are lady rugby players, but forgive me if I just talk in the masculine form today. So let's start by, do we at least know which way they're playing if they formed up like this? (laughs) They're playing up, okay, all right. Okay, so I'm just going to quickly run through the numbers, and the purpose of me running it through, running through the numbers is just to demonstrate the diversity within the team and the fact that each number means something different. So if you look at numbers one, two, and three, they're called the front row. So they're the heavier set guys at international level. They weigh about 120. Their job, they're the strong guys. Their job is to to push in the front of the scrum. Numbers four and five, they're the tall guys at international level. They're all over two meters tall. They're the guys that that jump in the lineouts and catch the balls. Uh, number six, seven, and eight, a little bit shorter than four and five, they are a bit more mobile. They run around tackling, trying to get the balls in the loose ruck. So those eight make up your forwards. They do all the hard work, the forwards, and then the backline mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> then, um, then, um, then you've got the scrum off. He's generally not always, but generally he's the smallest guy. So if you've seen that, if you've seen Fuff with the long blonde hair, that's our scrum off for the Springboks. So he runs around and he collects the ball from the forwards and gets it out to the backs. Uh, number ten, the fly off. He's the one generally with the best ball skills. He's the one also with the best hairdo and the one that the girls like. Then you've got uh, 12 and 13 are the centers. So they're your strong, fast runners that run the ball up mostly into trouble, into the, tr- into the traffic. And then 11 and 14 are your fast guys on the wing. Like most teams, the wings are, are the quick people. They try and run around trouble. And then lastly, your fullback. The ball gets kicked onto him a lot, especially in the modern game. So um, he's got to be very good at catching the ball and also kicking the ball back. Okay, does that help for the non-rugby fans? Okay, so the whole... (laughs) Right, Carl's now with us as well. (laughs) So the, the whole point of that exercise was just to point out that there's very different individuals there. So like us, we're all very different, but there's a place for all of us on the field. And we've got to find that number that we can play where where God's going to use us and we can make an impact for the team. So there's a lot of sports analogies, obviously, when you start comparing church to sport. And David also uses it, as we're going to see in one of the scriptures today. I'm just going to focus on five things today. So the first one, point one, I'm calling putting on the jersey. So before you even notice the number that the individual's got in his back, you notice the actual jersey that he's wearing. right? So the jersey indicates what team he belongs to. So jersey indicates unity. And also there's a responsibility when wearing that jersey because you have to have the culture of that jersey that you're wearing. So that could be any, any uniform, school uniform, army uniform. You know, if you're wearing that, there's a responsibility in, in how you wear it. So if we start with unity, if we can move to the first scripture, please. Ephesians 4 and verse 1 to 7. Right, so we... Paul starts with the word, therefore, and um, if you've known Will Murray long enough, he always says, you must always ask, why for? Is there a therefore? And the reason why there's a therefore there is Paul has just been teaching them Bible doctrine in chapters 1, 2, and 3. So he's teaching them all the foundational Bible truths, and then he starts talking about unity. So he's basing the unity on the fact that he's now taken them through all these biblical truths. So he says, therefore. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. So he brings love in there. So really the basis for unity is the scriptural truths that bring us together and the love that brings us together. So that's why he's stressing love there. Always keep yourselves united in the Holy Spirit and bind yourselves together with peace. We are all one body, we have the same spirit, and we have all been called to the same glorious future. There's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and there's only one God and Father who is over all of us and in us all and living through us all. So one of the versions also talks about, you know, working hard at the unity. And unity can be hard work. You know, it's, qu- it's more natural for us to think, oh, this oak, and I've just had enough of him, and I'll rather just go my own way. You now, that's, that's more of our natural tendency. Unity generally takes hard work to actually pull together and to admit our faults and to actually to plug in and, and to show unity. So, um, John Stott, he says, truth becomes hard if not softened by love, and love, becomes soft, if not strengthened by truth. And that's, you know, what Paul's trying to say here. So he's trying to bring unity, but he's making sure that he brings those biblical truths from the first three chapters, and then he's emphasizing love here. So if you you look at a practical example of that, you know, if you've got an accountability relationship and somebody's trying to help the other person, and if they're just giving truths, the person walks away like battered and feeling unloved. But if they do the opposite and they just show love, they don't actually bring the truth. Then the person walks away, and the, you know, nothing is really sunk in. So it's always a balance of these truths and and love. Okay. Then I'm going to jump to chapter uh, to verse 11 in still in Ephesians 4. So now Paul goes from this unity, and he starts talking about about diversity within the unity. He's the one who gave these gifts to the church: the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and the pastors and teachers so you see there's all these different roles so like the rugby team there's very specific roles and they all come together and they function as a team that's what he's addressing here he's talking about unity but he's showing the different diversity within that their responsibility is to equip god's people to do his work and build up the church the body of christ that verse you should recognize ephesians 4 verse 12 So the movement 4.12 that Josh Jen started is based on Ephesians 4 verse 12. It's going out and equipping the saints. So going out as a team, and that's one of the things that that Josh Jen 4.12 specifically does when they go into a different church in a different country. They model team. That's one of the strong values that they bring across. Because often they go into a church and it's a one-man show and the guy's trying to run this and he doesn't have a team around him. Okay, verse 13, until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature and full-grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. So, he's talking about um, spiritual maturity and spiritual unity. So, it's important for us as a church, when we're moving forward, we've got to be growing, we've got to be maturing spiritually, and we've got to be um, growing in unity, in spiritual unity then we will no longer be like children forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or because someone has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like truth. So that's often what comes in. That's what causes disunity. I think Andrew mentioned it, Andrew or Brad mentioned it on Wednesday night. You know, division comes from having two, die means two. So two visions causes disunity. You know, and that's when these subtle untruths come in, that's what can start causing disunity. Instead, we will hold to the truth in love, becoming more and more in every way, like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So remember Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians 12 about the body and the different parts of the body. So here he's bringing in the body again. And he's also talking about the body growing. So a healthy body grows. A young child, if the body is healthy, the body will grow. The same with the church. If we've got a healthy church, the church is going to grow. Okay, so that first point of the jersey was the unity. The second point was that we've got to be responsible about how we wear the jersey. So if we look at the next scripture, it's very much about the, the fruit that we're displaying. Yeah, okay, sorry, this, this one first. This was just about, this is Jesus praying about unity. Um, so this was in the upper room. So Jesus, uh, he's washed the disciples' feet, and he's been teaching them certain truths and telling them what's, what's coming, and then he starts praying for them. And part of this prayer is Jesus actually prays for unity. And you'll see in the way it's worded, he's praying for the disciples, but he's also praying for us as the modern-day church says I'm praying not only for these disciples but also for all who will ever believe in me because of their test me my prayer for all of them is that they will be one just as you and I are one father that just as you are in me and I am in you so they will be in us and the world will believe you sent me i've given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are i in them and you in me all being perfected into one then the world will know that you sent me and will understand that you love them as much as you love me. So we've got the unity of the, of the Trinity, and that's what Jesus is referring to. He wants us to be, you know, he wants us to have that same unity. And that's what he wanted for the disciples, and he wanted for us as the modern day church. So he says it's not just for, for you guys, but it's for all the guys that are coming. Sorry, then the next verse is the one on the fruits. If we can jump to that, Sirena. A healthy tree produces good fruit and an unhealthy tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Okay, So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown in the fire. Yes, the way to identify a tree or a person is by the kind of fruit that is produced. Right, So we will be recognized by the fruit we produce. So if we going out and, and witnessing and ministering to people, it's important that we're displaying the right fruits. So even just at checkers, you know, you invite the cashier nicely to church, and then you have a go at the packer because she put the milk on top of the strawberries. You know, so you're not displaying the fruit They're Just and they can people will see right through you. So we've got to make sure that if we if we're going out and witnessing that we are displaying the fruit. Okay, number two. So number one was the jersey. Number two is now the number. So putting on a number means that you're actually going on now and you're going onto the field and you've got intent. You've got an absolute purpose on the field, otherwise you're running on and you're actually not sure why you're going on. So when we look at our church context, there's obviously people that are serving here today. There was people that did the sound and set up the kids next door and there's people on worship and so on. But for many of us, we're going to be sitting in the seats most weeks. Okay. So even those that are, that are those of us that serve... We find ourselves often sitting in the seats. So, I'm going to speak more to us as that group today. So, what is our purpose when we come to church and we're not serving? So, we're not packing our chairs or sound or something. We're just rocking up at church. Do we just slide in at nine o'clock and we're just glad that we made it? Or do we actually seek God and say, God, what number do you want me to wear when I come to church today? You know, so all of us should be seeking that purpose and then that intent to say, when I come, I actually want to. I want to come with a purpose and not just sit and just say oh that must get the roast in soon or just you know we're going to my mom this afternoon so I hope Craig finishes soon because I want to try and leave by quarter to 11 you know are we coming with that sort of mindset or are we coming with with purpose and intent when we're coming to to worship the king so it's going to be different for all of us and for some of you it might just be you know I've never come to the early prayer meeting and I'd actually like to come and and just learn from the guys, how to, I've never prayed aloud, I just want to pray with the guys. What might be, you know, I've been having this, this inkling to go up and let somebody pray for me, but I just, I just, I don't want to move, you know, with all these chairs that are fixed here, I don't want to go to the front. Or maybe God's been laying it on your heart to, to pray for somebody. So if we seek God in the week, and even maybe on the, morning, the Sunday morning, seek God to say, what, is, what number do you want me to wear this morning when I go to church? And God might say to you, well, look out. There's going to be someone that's really depressed. Find that person. I'm going to show him to you, or him or her to you. And I want you to pray for that person. So you're coming with intent. And you're not just coming to, to just run onto the field. And just, because you know, a player that just runs onto the field with a number is not going to, he's not going to participate. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. Okay, so if, um, if we look at 1 Corinthians 3... 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 5 to 9. So here Paul is talking about, um, he's addressing the fact that, that some of them have been saying, no, I follow Apollos and I follow Paul. And he's making the point that we're a team. So you don't follow just a specific person. So he says, who is Apollos and who is Paul, that we should be the cause of such quarrels. Why, we're only servants. Through us, God caused you to believe. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. My job was to plant the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God, not we, who made it grow. The ones who do the planting or watering aren't important, but God is important because he's the one who makes the seed grow. So there's a few things we can pick up there already. So firstly, we're a team, so one person might plant, another might water, and another one might harvest. And if you're just planting and you're never seeing the harvest, you can get discouraged, but know that there's somebody else that's bringing in that harvest. So what we're talking about there is you minister, you you tell someone about Jesus, and then Carl is the one seeing them every day at work, and he's watering that seed, and then eventually somebody else prays for them, and, and they accept salvation. So it's, you know, we work as a team, so you might not always see the results. And remember, God does the growing. So we can water, we can plant, but we can't grow the seed. It's God that actually has the impact. The one who plants and the one who waters work as a team with the same purpose, yet they will be rewarded individually according to their own hard work. So there's that term hard work again. So tending the soil is also hard work. And that, you know, that makes sense. We know what it's like if we've got a, a garden and we don't get to the garden. I think somebody here this morning said, Skulk said he's got to get into the garden on this long weekend. You know, because if we don't keep our hand on it, it gets overgrown and it gets dry and it just, you know. And it's the same with the soil. We've, you know, with people, we've got to invest into people. It's hard work, but we've got to encourage people. We've got to sow in. If we're not moving forward, then we're moving backwards like a garden that gets filled with, with weeds and leaves. We work together as partners who belong to God. You are God's field, God's building, not ours. Right? So we've got to remember that it really is God's house. So nothing here is ours. We are our workers here, but, but God does um, all, the, all the growing and God gets all the glory. Right, if we look at um, Proverbs 24, we see what Solomon says about the guy that's, that's not hardworking. I walked by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one lacking sense. I saw that it was overgrown with thorns, it was covered with weeds, and its walls were broken down. Then, as I looked and thought about it, I learned this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. So that just really confirms as well, you know, if we sit back and just do nothing, then we move backwards and we regress and things get overgrown and weeds come in. Okay, and then the last scripture on that one is 1 Corinthians, back to 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 to 27. So this is what I referred to where Paul also uses a sports analogy. So he says, remember that in a race, everyone runs but only one person gets the prize. You must run in such a way that you will win. All athletes practice strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I'm not like a boxer who misses his punches. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So there he is saying... Run with purpose. If we're on the track, we must be running to win. If we're on the rugby field, we must be playing to win. If we're here, we must have purpose and intent to actually worship God, and to make a difference in his kingdom. Okay, the third thing is wearing a different number. So we spoke about it at the prayer meeting as well. Sometimes the coach comes and says, I know you've been playing number six the whole season, but I really need you at number eight now. You know, so depending on the circumstances... God might speak through the team and say we need you in a different position and then we mustn't get like, but I am the bass guitarist. That's my role. You can't put me anywhere else. Or I'm the coffee person. I'm known as the coffee person. Why do you want me to do something else? So we mustn't get too attached to our number and to our role. We've got to realize that for the team, we've got to be we're flexible to be used somewhere else. Right? I mean, it was quite, quite privileged to go to one of those business breakfasts where Russi uh, spoke after the World Cup. He's the Springbok uh, coach. And he spoke about Skulk Brits. You know, they communicated very well to that team. So that team were very well informed at the, in their preparation for the World Cup. And Skulk Brits knew he was gonna play two games, one at number two, one at number eight, and he was gonna captain the one. So he wasn't like, I'm a hooker, you can't put me at number eight. You know, for the, depending on the team circumstances, the coach will move people around and the team will demand something different from you and we've got to be flexible to be able to move into a different space. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. So this is an example of where Paul had to change his plans. So it happened in the New Testament as well. We said, Since I was so sure of your understanding and trust, I wanted to give you a double blessing. I wanted to stop and see you on my way to Macedonia and again on my return trip, then you could send me on my way to Judea. So he was planning to go to them again, but he didn't make it because God came in and changed his number and said, no, nah, I want you to do something else. So that's an example of Paul changing his plans. And then back in 1 Corinthians 9 again, 24 to 27. Sorry, not 1 Corinthians nine nineteen. This means I'm not bound to obey people just because they pay me yet I've become a servant of everyone so that I can bring them to Christ. So this is Paul referring to the fact that he adapts himself to the different circumstances. So don't misunderstand the scripture. Sometimes people say, well, that doesn't mean he's a hypocrite or he's two-faced. No, it just means that he's able to adapt to his audience. So i mustn't become someone that says, I can only minister to 40-year-olds to in my neighborhood. You know? Am I able to adjust myself to speak to teenagers or to speak to people of a different culture. You know, that's what he means by being adaptable, putting on a different number for the benefit of the team. Okay, fourth point, covering in the moment. So that's when you're on the field, you've got a specific purpose, but there's something else required of you on top of that. So the, the, the prop, like the number three that I played, he can't say, well, I'm only here to scrum. I'm not running, and I'm not passing or kicking. He's got to be used or tackling. I've be, he's got to be used wherever he's needed. So he's only scrumming maybe, I don't know, 10 scrums in a match. Then he's got to be out tackling, supporting, racking, passing, maybe running with the ball, right? And it's the same, yeah. So the bass guitarist, again, that might be his number for the day. But if he's called on to pray for somebody, to minister to somebody or to to encourage somebody outside, right, we've got to be flexible in the moment for the different needs as well. So Andre's leading the meeting. If he gets sucked over there and maybe people are praying for him, then we can't stand and go, yes, is Andre going to get done so we can close this meeting? You know, Somebody else will step in for Andre and, and cover for him. So it also means standing in the gap for each other. You know, Sometimes your brother will be pulled aside or your brother will be just going through tough times, and then we stand in the gap for each other. It's covering in the moment. Richard shared a nice uh, story with me. What's the guy's name now? Craig and Kimberly Cromer. Um, this was a. Sorry, now I'm getting nervous when I have to tell this story. <laughs> um, this was a couple, uh, he works for the University of Miami, and they were at this stadium where they go, they got season tickets, and they, and they got they had this like, like urine smell coming around them. And they look up, and there's a cat, but it's even higher than this, it's probably like 20 meters up. There's actually a video on this that you can see that's gone viral. And this cat is hanging and dangling and And they realised this cat's not gonna make it. But they had the American flag with them. They ended up catching this cat in the flag. So quite amazing. And um, it just shows you that us as everyday people can do extraordinary things. And we can cover in the moment. So they you know, they weren't expecting it. They were ordinary people, they're not firefighters. And they were able to do something unusual and and catch that cat and just use what they had at their disposal. So they never had a proper trampoline or anything. They just had this American flag, and they were able to catch that cat. Okay. Okay, the fifth point, encourage each other, right? So once you're on the field and you're a team and you're playing together, we all need encouragement. So just because Richard has been in ministry for 40 years doesn't mean that any one of us can't encourage him. And there's, I mean, I love the picture of like a little scrum off like Fuff, Going up to a guy like Eben Etzebeth, who's like twice his size, and just encouraging him. Or even going up to your big captain as well and encouraging him. And that's what we should be doing. Every one of us needs encouragement, and therefore every one of us should be doing encouragement. So, does that make sense? Many to many. We all have to encourage because we all need encouragement. So, if we look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11. So, encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. So the, that uh, church in Thessalonica was a very good church, and they were encouraging and building each other up. And Paul was just saying, keep doing this. This is what's needed. Okay, Brad Ferreira was talking about that on Wednesday night at the gathering. The gathering was fantastic, and um, Brad was speaking about standing fast. You know, we go through different times. So we, maybe through COVID now, f- financially you've been strapped so he was he was using the example and saying maybe you're struggling to tithe now because of COVID or maybe you're starting to get in with the wrong friends and this is when we need encouragement to we need to encourage each other to be able to stand fast okay so recapping the five points put on the jersey put on the number sometimes wear a different number covering in the moment and encouraging each other so just a few quotes that I want to share as well uh, Charles Spurgeon said, no man ever served God by doing things tomorrow. You know, so maybe today is that opportunity. If you've been waiting to come forward or God's been prompting you to just go and talk to someone and invite them for lunch or whatever it might be, you know, do it today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Billy Graham said, the highest form of worship is the worship of unselfish Christian service. St. Francis de Sales said, great occasions for serving God come seldom but little ones surround us daily. You know, so we're not going to all do something amazing where we preach to 5,000 people or raise someone from the dead, but there's little things that we can do every day around us to make an impact. A.W. Tozer, your favorite guy. How utterly terrible is the current idea that Christians can serve God at their own convenience? You know? So are we just doing it when it suits us? No, or are we actually seeking opportunities to really press in and, and serve God daily? Right, Amen.